So in traditional bank, we do always think about how can we automate many processes from financial spreading to doing projections because I used to be in corporate investment bank. So numbers is, is built into our, to our day-to-day work. And then also in terms of customer experience, always want to give the customer something faster and better. You're listening to Crypto Savvy, the show that demystifies digital assets and uncovers all things cryptocurrency. Brought to you by the Hashkey Group, a leader in financial technology and digital asset management. Crypto Savvy, the essentials. Virtual banks are now commonplace in Hong Kong, even though they were just starting off three years ago. Joining us today is Roxanne Su. He is the chief executive of ZA Bank, one of eight virtual banks operating here in Hong Kong. Learn how a traditional banker is now meeting the financial services needs of hundreds of thousands of Hong Kongers without having a single branch anywhere. It's a whole new approach to banking and one we'll learn about now in our next episode of Crypto Savvy. Hi, I'm joined uh, in our podcast booth on the floor of Hong Kong Fintech Week by Roxin Su. He is the chief executive officer of ZA Bank, the first virtual bank launched in Hong Kong. He's got close to three decades of experience in wholesale and investment banking with major foreign and local banks in Hong Kong and mainland China. Before joining ZA Bank in 2019, he was chief risk officer of a listed bank in Hong Kong. And before that, he had positions with Hang Seng Bank and Barclays. Welcome to the show, Roxen. How are you this morning? Great. Now, Roxen, um, a virtual bank, does that mean you're not really a bank or that you are virtual? Uh, can you explain what is a virtual bank? It's actually a virtual bank. It's just one. And uh, a bank, which is the full licensed bank in Hong Kong, just like any other 160 plus banks in Hong Kong. So we're fully licensed to provide banking services for Hong Kong residents. I think the word virtual, in a way, is just to... Um, characterize the situation of Hong Kong pushing through digital banking. And virtual bank, effectively, the one specific condition is we cannot have a physical branch. So everything is virtual, so to speak, but then actually you can say is everything is online, or more specifically, everything is on mobile. And uh, why would uh, banks want to go virtual? Is there a competitive advantage or are there disadvantages? What are some of the upsides of being purely virtual? It's more adaptive to the to the to the evolving environment of financial services. I think banking has been one industry that has been adopting fintech all along. Think about ATMs. I mean, the, the mindset is being automating the service and taking out um, handoffs, manual processes. So virtual bank is, is a normal involvement into the next generation. And providing banking through mobile app, that saves um, the manual work of going to a branch no teller, everything is 24 by 7. I think that's the next, next goal of providing financial services 24 by 7. Now, I've been in Hong Kong a decade, and I, I know that Hong Kong 
Um, uh, Hong Kongers love um, financial services. They're very financially literate. Um, and yet they are also kind of somewhat conservative or traditional. How has been the uptake of digital banking for you um, uh, amongst the, the core audiences here in Hong Kong? I think launching a new banking model in Hong Kong is definitely a challenge, um, given we have 160 plus banks in Hong Kong and the Hong Kong in the banking industry has been well established and a world renowned being we're in the financial hub of the world. So bringing up the word digital bank or virtual bank is one of the key, key um, milestones for us. I think um, we have gained sufficient awareness so far. I think reading from a study of consumer behavior by Visa recently, I think the awareness has gone up from 30% to more than 50% in Hong Kong. And I think as, as we grow, uh, I think we have hit the uh, 400,000 customer mark. That's around like 5% of the population. I think that's a very good encouragement for us to keep pushing through the whole concept of digitalization. Okay, I want to um, uh, understand the hero story of ZA Bank, which is the genesis story. So talk a bit about the process of the the, the, when this uh, idea came up uh, and when you launched. So walk us through the the, uh, sure. the, the formation. I think we, 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 we do strive along the plot, which is when we first look at the policy objectives of Hong Kong Monetary Authority. I mean, that's always the root block to do. You know the purpose, then you strive towards it and have a good execution. So the policy objectives for virtual banking, uh, there's three of them. The first one is to promote FinTech and innovation. The second one is to promote financial inclusion. And lastly, is to offer a new customer experience. So we strive along that channel through two approaches. First um, is to understand our customer need. We grow ourselves along with the customer, so we act together differently. Uh, secondly, is, is a data-driven, tech-driven approach, which strives with the fintech and innovation angle. Um, banking services has been around all along, but then we do strip down step by step. I mean, that's the only way we can make a difference on the customer experience side. I think a good example would be on first thing when you go to a bank, open an account. So that's the first um, procedure we examined. And when you go to a bank to open an account traditionally, we estimate it at least one hour. You walk in, take, take your ticket, wait, fill in forms and whatnot. Um, for us, we think that shouldn't be measured in hours or days. It should be measured in minutes. So we look through each step by step, and then we ended up, I think the end result, to cut it short, uh, we promote when we first launched, we say open an account in five minutes. You get a full usable banking account where you can borrow and lend and make transfers. So that's one of the key, key um, example that we launched back in March 2020. And that made a splash because that kind of changed the mindset of everybody. And doing something more or less not thought about or, or probably not impossible back then. But then technology allowed us to do that. It's not that we cut any corners or we have any special treatment from our regulators. We, we apply the same rules, the same SPMs of um, HKMA, but then we, we're able to automate each of the processes such that for the five minutes, there's no human interruption at all. 
No, and I'll be um, honest, uh, Roxanne, I did tell you that I'm one of your customers, and I recall, uh, I, I assume the five-minute onboarding is facilitated by the smart ID card and the uh, 3D image captured within that smart ID card and then the facial recognition you've got in place. Is that one of your um, uh, uh, secret weapons? <laughs> I, I think other than the smart ID card, um, I Am Smart is being launched, so we haven't really fully utilized the um, the smart ID yet but then yes as you said everything else from the uh, ID authentication which is recognizing your Hong Kong ID whether it's the new one or the old one um, that's challenging because we have to make sure it's not a fake one um, secondly is facial um, recognition and we have to make sure that's a real face rather than a photo of a photo of, of a mobile phone so those are the two um, closest to customer experience item but then actually when you look through the whole process there's no form filling so what happened i mean we actually read through your id and get all the information which is very basic but then i think the whole process the good fun of it is we think through what's needed and what's not needed and secondly is um, we automate everything that is feels seamless to customer like yourself i mean it looks very easy to just go through a few shots but then your id and all your facial uh, uh, identification plus everything behind the scene where we do sanctioning and AML, all the related um, controls are embedded through the five minutes. I think the latest record we have right now is two minutes. So that's a good illustration that technology is how you use it. It's not technology driving everything. It's the way we adopt technology. And sooner or later, we believe that that process will be even faster with the smart ID that you just mentioned because then the golden source of information is even more concrete. But then one thing, just want to bring up one of the, one of the um, process revamp that we did. If you go into a bank, opening a banking account right now, we probably can say 99% of the banks require address proof. But then when you go through hours, and we ask the address, but we didn't ask for the proof. And then we, that's one of the story where we can share nicely because I mean, back in the old days, everything is still on paper. So a bank would need to know where they're going to mail you the statements. I remember being asked at my bank to send them a fax just a month ago. Exactly. So, but when you think about digital bank, everything is paperless, and then we're connected 24 by 7 through the mobile phone. So a bank statement is actually transmitted to you on your phone. Then in a way, as long as we can validate that the mobile phone number is yours, we don't need an address proof. So we saved that process, which actually it sounds like a simple one step, but then actually, as you said, the, the procedure required and the process steps required is humongous just to validate somebody's address proof. Um, but then it's not that we won't need address proof. Uh, we will need address proof when you applied for a loan or when the bank extend credit because we do need to know where to find you. Yes, certainly. Yeah, uh, to remind somebody to pay back. So, so the address proof part, we actually took it out. But that's just one of the examples how we revamp the banking processes, even though it's been around for decades, that we can make life even better through technology and through understanding customer need. Roxanne, um, uh, your um, service is fantastic. Um, how do you attract customers uh, without physical branches? I guess uh, you know it's you're a purely digital bank. How how do you get people's attention? Yes, that's another um, edge of um, technology, or we can say fintech. I mean, we actually utilize social media to the max, especially when we launch. Um, CA Bank back in March 2020, 
that's the time when the pandemic hits. So I mean, we have to change our marketing launch plan and everything to make it fully online. But then that's the part where we we were feeling um, extremely enthusiastic because that's the new new way to promote something. And so we would use a lot of social media on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, um, and also I think the best way to promote something new in a well-developed, established market is through word of mouth. So the trust is built from passing on uh, through your friends. I mean, we we just need to spark it out, and then we get the members getting members, and so that drives the whole um, onboarding process from nothing to. Where we are right now. You mentioned March 2020, and that was a uh, surreal time uh, around the world. However, it was also at a time when the Hong Kong government was providing uh, relief to individuals, and uh, I think ZA Bank captured quite a large number of new clients through innovative campaigns to encourage people to receive their government payment through ZA Bank. Yes, I think you're talking about the cash payout scheme back in um, July 2020. Uh, yes, I think we are one of the 20 plus banks participating in Hong Kong, and we're the only virtual bank that did that. And I think the the difference that we brought through in that campaign was um, our procedure was fully online, so you don't need to fill out forms. But that also ties with um, our financial secretary's objective to um, accomplish this cash payout as seamless as possible. So everyone was striving towards that. But then <laughs> the flip side is we can only offer online service. So we cannot let our customers fill out any forms. But that actually we captured quite a, a good number or a good proportion of the cash payout scheme. And that kind of sh- a, a good showcase to the market that remote offline, uh, remote offline, yeah, remote offline or remote online is actually achievable as long as we have the right infrastructure set up. And I think launching the bank back in 2020 is also a good fun story because we're all working from home then. Oh, so it's like... Talk about challenges. Exactly. And launching a bank is, is, not, is, is a pretty good challenge. But then we were ready for that back in 2019 when the first outbreak was, was being reported. So we planned out the whole well, kind of business continuity to the max because that was a real business continuity and it's an extended one because when we were in traditional bank we just do the drill for one day this thing lasted for a few months and um, uh, Roxon, um, I know at the time there were kind of um, incentives or offers uh, to encourage people to uh, bank with uh, ZA what, uh, how much of your new business comes from rates or, or offers um, we, we launch and when we launch, um, the members get members one key feature is because we do want to encourage our users to use, trust, and then promote. But then secondly, um, the first kind of wow product we had other than opening an account swiftly and smoothly is on the uh, deposits because I think banking service, one of the key product or key service providing to the customer is to offer savings. So we look at the saving rates in Hong Kong and we think, well, first we want to be open and transparent. So the rate itself, we want to match it or align it with the in the bank market rate. So we set a benchmark of three months high ball. And back then it was around one plus percent. Of course, now it's only 15 basis point. But then, then we look at that and we say, how much can we make out of the deposits or our funding? I mean, that's the interest earning ability of the bank. 
as well as I think the one of the restrictions that we have we cannot have physical branch that actually is to our advantage because when you think about a normal bank um, physical branch would take up a lot of human resources you have the teller you have the back office you have the security guards and everything linked to it but then for us uh, we have zero traditional banks probably if you're a retail and commercial bank um, that takes up around half of your um, FTEs or half of your headcounts but then we slash that out so that's one savings secondly it's on um, operating level whereby we don't need to rent anything I think for more established traditional banks they probably own half of the branches but they still need to pay rent for the other half and all the maintenances and for us uh, that's kind of crossed out in our PL. So we, we blended our ability to make um, interest and the ability to, to slash costs and we gave them back to the customers. So when we first go out on um, March 24th, 2020, our saving rates, we only have one saving rate and that's our current account rate. That's a 1% rate and that's so happened comparing to the market. That's a, a thousand times more. So I think the two folds, one is a, a, a good interface to our customer in account opening, giving everybody first the trust and secondly the experience, and then also a, a reasonable return on your money. 1% back then might not be a lot, 1% now is quite a lot. But then, as we said, it's a market-driven um, interest rate. It's not a cutthroat, burning money kind of interest rate. So we've been adjusting it. Um, now, um can we talk a minute about your customers and the demographics of your customers? Because um, I'm an early morning gym guy, and uh, when I leave the gym at about you know ten to nine, I'm walking to the car, and there's going past a, a traditional bank, and there are quite a number of uh, folks lined up, uh, predominantly seniors. Uh, before nine o'clock. Yeah, yes. before nine o'clock, and they're <laughs> all keen to get into the branch. So, uh, do you attract a younger demographic or a mix of demographics? Uh, who's uh, most likely to be a, a virtual bank? Customer? I think I think when we first plan out, we, we do thought um, the younger generation would be attracted. Uh, that's normal because everyone play mobile phones at that age. But then uh, I think after 18 months of operation, we do see that it's actually a very encouraging blend. Uh, we used um, older or younger than 40 years old. Actually, it's, it's half-half. Yep, so interestingly, uh, our uh, available age range is anybody 18 years and above. So that's a pretty good uh, 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 age distribution. But then when we look at it more slightly closer, even though it's half-half below and, and above 40, um, the younger generation at 18 and 25 is still the, the, uh, a bigger chunk out of the, the two bigger pies. But having said that, I think our um, age range right now is 18 to 93 years old. So that's a good demonstration that as long as you are, you are adaptive to new technology, age is not really a limitation. Okay, and um, for the, the folks that are used to the branch service, um, how have they adjusted? What is some of the feedback you hear from customers as they've become your, in some sense, your experiment, uh, the first virtual banking clients? I think for customers that are used to branches, uh, first is the availability. I think, I think, as you said, people waiting for a branch to open and dashing to a branch before they close, and then you can't access to any branches during Sundays. And we're offering that extra optionality. So we're not challenging anybody, but we're giving more options from a virtual bank point of view. And that uh, we do see um, behavioral change. 
uh, most of our accounts were open during normal business hours when we first launched. Um, then I think now at this stage, a lot of accounts are being opened after office hours. And that's reasonable because you're not meant to open an account during work time. Uh, secondly, we do see a lot of activities during weekends, uh, whereby specifically we used um, doing a time deposit. Um, a lot more of our transactions are being done during the weekends. So we give the availability to our customers and in turn, they would leverage on it. And I think the adaptation of Hong Kong customers are really, really fast. I mean, it sounds new, but then when they found out that it's a, it's a viable and a value-added service, they would jump straight into it. Um, virtual banks, um, you talked earlier about inclusion, financial inclusion, and the ability to bank the unbanked. Um, uh, how many of, what percentage of your customers would have ZA Bank as their only bank account? Um, the only bank account data, we, we don't have that. Okay. Yeah, because I mean, it's, I mean, it's not a publicly available information. But then I think the flip side is when we look at the growth rate of our customer base, I mean, it's going up. I mean, at the year end of 2020, which is our first nine months, we have around 22,000. So within another six months, we grew it up to over 400,000. So I think the penetration is a good illustration of how um, the market has adapted to it. Uh, I think 400,000 customers, probably more or less, at least one third of the all of eight virtual banks. So that's a good assumption that in total, we probably got close to a million um, users right now. But then bear in mind that a bank account doesn't mean a person because every one of us have more than one account. So I just want everybody to, to be aware that the number of accounts does, does not have a direct correlation with number of um, a person. But then still, that's a good good push. And on, on, on the other end, financial inclusion, I think there's two folds to it. One is on the um, mass retail for every individual. We want to make sure that our banking service is available to you. As long as you have a Hong Kong ID, you have a mobile phone and a, and a mobile number. But then the other, the other angle on virtual bank or our kind of um, objectives is um, SMEs, small and medium enterprises, because traditionally um, that's another um, community that, that lack banking services. So we're striving towards that angle and we launch um, banking service to SME just um, after our first anniversary in March 2021. Okay, so uh, I've got to ask the question then, if I'm a smaller medium enterprise and I'm in a retail business and it's the end of the day, where do I take my cash? Uh, how, do we, uh, how do you receive funds? Is it exclusively through online transfers? Yes, I think for both retail customers and also our corporate customers, I think inflow has to be electronic. So that's the, we wouldn't say limitation, but if you're striving towards a non-cash or cashless environment, that's the only channel. And in a way that from a risk perspective, that's technically safer because you do trace where the cash is. Um, but then of course, Hong Kong is still adapting to a cashless environment. So I think we start with retail customers. How do you get cash? And the way to get cash is through ATMs. So we leverage on the whole network. We didn't build any branch ourselves, but then we launched CA card back in uh, October 2020, exactly meeting your customer need of, if I do need cash, where do I get them? Um, so we lined up with Visa, which is our sole proprietary, uh, sole pro provider for um, our payment service. Uh, and we access to all the ATMs. If you're under the ETC system, 
or you're under the Jekyll system. So in the nutshell, it's all the HSBC related uh, machines and also the Jekyll machines. So that's a pretty good coverage uh, in terms of um, assessing your cash. So you can draw cash with your CA card, which is a debit card, uh, it's not a credit card. But that's another uh, breakthrough that when you say, uh, is there any good stories to, to tell after we launch? I think the CA card is another milestone whereby we look at um, the payment needs of the Hong Kong market. And also we think about what's payment really mean versus credit card. Because I think traditional bank would say, oh, payment credit card. That's almost like a default. We look at the default and say, well, credit card is effectively a product of a debit card a one-month interest-free OD, and a lot of rewards. Uh, I have lived uh, in the U.S. and Australia in these last 10 years in Hong Kong, and so I'm, I was quite accustomed to a debit card, uh, but it doesn't seem to be as uh, well used here in Hong Kong. Oh, absolutely. So so we, we, we analyzed the situation, and why would a debit card be successful in Hong Kong? And then I think the, the last components we just mentioned earlier, the rewards is actually a, a, a big, um, we would say features. So what we did is we stripped out the um, OD. So we took out the word credit. And we just used debit card and very reasonable and attractive rewards. So every time you use your debit card, we gave you uh, a reward immediately. Unlike the traditional way of waiting till the month end um, bank statement or credit card statement. And then the reward, we also thought about, well, simply giving you a, a percentage of reward doesn't engage you that much. So we ended up now we have a power draw whereby every time you use your, your Z card, you will get a chance to have a, a chance to win up to 200% of the spending. So that's another gamification that we brought into the banking industry in terms of promoting fintech and innovation. So it's small things that add together becomes us. And just as um, a definition for our listeners who may not have heard of a debit card, a credit card, as it sounds, you're uh, borrowing money from the institution and spending, and then you pay it back. A debit card simply is, the, it looks like a visa, acts like a visa, is accepted like a visa, but you're spending your own money, and it's not a, a it's coming out of your account. Is yes, debit card effectively is um, charging your bank account for your spending. So you're spending a hundred bucks, um, the transaction would debit your account for 100. So in a way, is you spend what you have. And then the idea behind is spending, that's the, the proper approach to be. If you do have a financing need, go through the lending process. So we just kind of like split it up rather than combining the two um, together, which we think from a financial management point of view, is more clear cut and you have a better direction of your own personal um, finance. Now, Roxanne, I have not taken out a, a card, but um, uh, every time I sell, tell people I'm with ZA Bank, they said, oh, let me see your card. Apparently, they're very hot. Uh, tell, me, tell us about the, the, the look and feel of a ZA Bank card. Uh, um, the card is a, a simple card, but then um, one of the key features on the card is we allowed our users to select the numbers. The last six digits is actually up to your choice. Provider is still available and now that we ran for a year on the CA card. But then that's one of the key features where we think the CA card is a very personalized item to facilitate your day-to-day -day, um, financing need, specifically on spending. So we allow the customers to, to customize the numbers because, I mean, number is a very um, unique 
um, interest in the Hong Kong um, culture. And secondly, I think the card itself, uh, we strip out all the unnecessary or the, the lesser required information because when there's a physical card, there's a chance of losing your card or being being frosted taken. So we try to minimize all the information that is needed. And in turn, it, it links with your mobile app of CA Bank. So for the information that are needed, some of them we put it into your app, which is even a safer, more safer environment than your physical card. And of course, um, right now the, the green color is, is our showcase. But as we evolve, hopefully we can give our customer an even more interesting or more fun part on the, using the card itself. So well, let's keep, keep it a prelude to the next next stage. Well, we'll look forward to that. Um, Roxanne, it really seems like um, this is the perfect banking solution in Hong Kong because this really is a mobile-first country. Um, uh, I haven't had a landline in quite some time. Um, how uh, are other uh, virtual banks in other countries growing? I mean, is it, 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 are you facilitated by this high uh, adoption rate of mobile telephony here in Hong Kong? Actually, I think it, it turns out that our adoption rate is very encouraging because, I mean, even though we only have 400,000 customers in 18 months, we, we do, um, of course, learn from everybody else around the globe. We're not, Hong Kong is not the first one to launch a digital bank. Uh, we do have um, our predecessors both in Europe and in the States. So when we look at um, Europe, we, we do look up to like Monzo or N26, I mean, they accumulated around the same customer base in their first 18 to 24 months, around 250,000 to 300,000 customers, which is at least we think we are at par. But then when you think about the population penetration, that's only a 0.4% of the whole population of their respective country. So Monzo was in um, the UK, so their customer base is only 0.4%. Same thing for N26, which is Germany-based. That's also another 0.4%, and we have a 4 to 5% penetration. So that's a very different angle, whereby one of the key reasons goes back to the contribution of our regulators, because we, we do took a different way of launching digital bank. I think in our predecessors, they're more a fintech upstart to start off, then they become a licensed bank, and then they offer the full banking service. I think Hong Kong did a very bold move of, well, if we want to do it, good and nice and fast and safe, let's just do it straight as a bank. So HKMA um, promote digital banking through, you have to be a full licensed bank before you can offer the service. And that's a key item because then you are being covered by deposit protection scheme. So that take out a lot of um, worries or uncertainties of customers because they know that they are being covered just like any other traditional banks. Yeah, no, and um, I also know in Hong Kong we have such um, high trust in technology, um, and in other countries uh, there may not be the same trust levels in technology. So there's a, uh, more technology is fear. There's fear in technology in some markets, whereas in Hong Kong and throughout China there's great uh, trust in. Uh, they've seen how much technology is broad. I think that the, the trust or the IT security is actually one of the key, key um, items that we have to keep educating our customers and also keep enhancing ourselves. Uh, actually, the, the security is one of the key concerns of our existing customer base I mean, through surveys 
and also our interaction with our clients, um, they are very um, cautious on IT security. So they, they don't really trust it to per se. But then I think Hong Kong as a banking environment is actually a very safe environment per se. Number of frauds in terms of default rate, delinquency rate, we're actually pretty good. So that's probably how the impression of trust is being built. But in terms of reliance on technology, there's still a long way to go. And honestly, IT security is a, is, is a very key item in our perspective. Um, just not just saying, oh, there's any frauds, a number of frauds, but then just in the totality of availability and safety. So you see us maintaining the, the, the service 24 by 7 to the dot. We, we don't allow any slipperage or breakage. But then I think the Hong Kong customers are actually quite conservative on that angle. I think if you ask any um, guesses in, in FinTech week today, I think that's probably one of the, the number one concern. Even though you th we have impression that they, they trust technology, it doesn't mean that they trust technology from that angle. They trust because we are delivering what we are and the regulators are having a very good framework on the banking, on the remote banking world. Now, Roxanne, uh, what brought you to the world of virtual banking? Uh, you'd been more of a traditional banker in the past. Uh, what was it that uh, uh, interested you? Well, I have a strong interest in, in technology per se because I think one of the key driving force is automation. So in traditional bank, we do always think about how can we automate many processes from financial spreading to doing projections because I was used to be in corporate investment bank. So numbers is, is built into our day-to-day -day work. And then also in terms of customer experience, always want to give the customer something faster and better. And I think the virtual bank gave me this opportunity to bring my thoughts and experience to execution. And I think that's the same story for everybody joining virtual banks in the past 24 months, right? Because we don't have a virtual bank to start off. So every friends and peers in virtual bank are actually from traditional banks. But I think there's one key um, item, at least in us in ZA, uh, we, we do brought in um, passionate colleagues that want to make a difference. Plus, uh, I think we relied on our parent company, Zhongguan Online PNC, which is the first insured tech in mainland China. And of course, when we look at our parent company, they got 400 plus million customers. So we're a long <laughs> way to catch. But then the leverage part is on, on the IT infrastructure and the IT DNA of our parent company, whereby technology is part of business. Unlike traditional bank, whereby I think under the government's, uh, governance framework, we have first line, second line, third line of defense. And second line of defense is more um, infrastructure support. So IT traditionally falls under second line of defense because they're supporting business. I think in us, in ZA, I think IT actually, we, we're partner with business. I wouldn't say first line, first line. Of course, within IT, some of our colleagues are actually first line because we co-develop um, products and services. So that's a very big difference in terms of the, the mindset of the colleagues and also how we configured the bank um, human resources. We have the same category, IT, business, risk, finance, but then it's the, the collaboration and also how we break down the silos. Of course, everybody have their own function, but then it's the collaboration that makes a difference. Now, I'd like to encourage my listeners here in Hong Kong to try out ZA Bank. Um, if they were interested, where do they start? Where do you find ZA Bank? Well, that's the best, easiest way to, to find a bank. Go into your app store, whether it's on iOS or whether it's on Google Play, 
um, just type in ZA, you will see us pop out with a little, little green label. I think that's one of the accessibility, right? Everybody, as long as you have a mobile phone with the right connection and the right phone number, you can get into a bank. Great. Well, I will challenge our listeners to uh, try out ZA Bank, and if it takes longer than five minutes to open your account, please let us know. We'd be yeah, interested. Talk to us. I think I think the best way to do it: ask whether you have any friends who are already existing customer. Check them out. Get their promo code from your friend, so that your friend and yourself will also get benefited. Well, there you go. I am your friend if you need an account opening code for ZA Bank uh, on Twitter at Facing China and also on LinkedIn at Walter Jennings. Very happy to help Roxon get to 450 or 500,000 customers in as short a time as possible. And thank you so much for being our guest today on Crypto Savvy. And uh, we really appreciate your time and have a great Hong Kong FinTech Week. Great. Yes. And great success to Hashkey. Thank you very much. Well, I'm certainly converted, but then again, Roxon knew I was a customer already. ZA Bank is one of eight virtual banks here in Hong Kong, and it shows what is possible with the power of technology. For those of you listening on Apple Podcasts, please give us a five-star rating. And wherever you listen to your podcast, hit subscribe, hit like, and share with your friends. This is Crypto Savvy, and I'm Walter Jennings of Hashkey Group. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Crypto Savvy, the podcast that delivers the essentials brought to you by Hashkey Group.